Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, a miniatures hobby podcast. So this week I got some stuff from the game store and realized the problem that would happen that if miniatures get too cheap, like normally you think of miniatures being like $12, $16 for your single figures. But the question uh-huh. is, what would happen if they went down to $3 each? How, how would you restrain yourself at this point? Uh, you should look at how many miniatures are in my closet right now, and you will see I do not. Oh, so the $15 point didn't restrain you at all. But... <laughs> $15 hasn't, and I have been collecting... Uh, I've, I've been finding ways to get cheaper miniatures, and as they get cheaper, the more I just collect them into boxes. Okay, because I was trying to build some figures for our miniatures game that's mm-hmm. sort of miniature agnostic i went to yeah. one of our local game stores and bought some of the pre-painted D stuff and really not pre-painted pre-assembled oh, okay and because a lot of the stuff ends up being three dollars each i have this enormous <laughs> bag of miniatures yeah. because the restrictions were all gone uh yes that's definitely something that happens. So I haven't told you, uh, but I've been doing the same thing for a couple of years now. <laughs> so uh-huh. I, I think you see them every once in a while, right? Like, do, have you seen all my civilians? Where did they come from? Three or four dollar miniatures oh, from, okay. from that bag. So a bunch of them came from that bag and then a couple of them are from uh, some other lines. And so uh, I think... Uh, yeah, so what about these uh, cheap-ass miniatures? Oh, just there's just no restraint because there's less time involved in making them as well because they come pre-assembled. Mm. That the restriction on, oh, when am I going to get around to building these? It's like, oh, no, these I can just paint these up really quick and I don't have to feel bad about wasting money on them in case I don't use them and just throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, I think the fact that they are uh, pre-assembled or, or one piece often, right, when they're cheaper, uh, really does allow you to, uh, I don't know, like just get through a lot of them, right? I, I've, as I've been getting uh, older, I've, I've kind of realized, um, especially with the smaller miniatures, I don't, I don't actually enjoy assembling them as much. Unless I'm literally going in and converting a miniature or I'm, I'm building one of those big kits where it becomes almost like a puzzle. Um, the small ones where it's like three or four pieces where I just put on the arms and put on the, the legs or something like that and put on the head. The, that assembly portion doesn't interest me as much. Like, for example, I had a, a bunch of, um, what do you call them, uh, Harry Potter miniatures from uh, Night Games, right? Yeah, and by the way, those are not cheap. Those are like... I don't know, twelve dollars or something each, um, or more, probably more. Um, and they basically came on like little sprues and resin, and I had to cut off each arm and put them together, and that was not fun. Yeah, well, it just felt like work. But that is how I see that part of the process as well, because there's no creativity involved in the assembly of the miniatures and the removal of mold lines and all that. It's mm-hmm. it is pretty much just mindless work. So. You know, you put something on the background you want to listen to, and you do it. But <clears throat> it's one of those. So the fact that they're, you know, those one-piece miniatures, assuming that they're, they don't have that many mold lines, because that gives you a lot more work to 
clean up the mold lines or even putty them in. Um, but assuming that's good, like you think one piece miniatures or the, the, the easier they are to assemble, the better, basically. The less time you spend on that, the better. So I'm a sticker about removing the mold lines properly. So often having the thing pre-assembled kind of gets in the way of removing the mold lines. Mm. Since like if the arms attached, getting underneath the arms removed that now you're trying to work in this constricted space. Mm-hmm. So it, if you're trying to get the miniature prep to a really good standard, it might not even be saving any time. That's true. Well, uh, what happens if they are not only pre-assembled, but also pre-painted? Does that make it easier? So, will will it allow you to look over the fact that they have mold lines if they're pre-painted? No. Like if they've got mold lines, I guess I couldn't look it over. Though there's lots of people who would, like people who aren't painters. Mm-hmm. I can see them overlooking it because they're like, well, this is better than whatever I would do. So they would go buy them. But there really mm-hmm. aren't that many pre-painted miniatures out there on the market. Like some board games have them, but in terms of the miniature mm-hmm. game space, which... I guess you could include some of the D and D stuff there if you're going to play like mm-hmm. miniature agnostic games, but there aren't too many of them out there. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, with that, our extra long uh, preamble. Uh, our topic for this uh, month is pre-painted and pre-assembled miniatures. Yep. And question mark: Are they? Yeah, that's that's basically it. What are they good for? <laughs> yes, I was going to say, are they worth it? But you know what? The question mark sums it all up. All right. So let's, let's go through that. Uh, I think um, you mentioned, let's, let's mention what the actual miniatures, a whole bunch of miniatures that you bought that, excuse me, were cheap, were both cheap and pre-assembled. So there's a huge range of mostly fantasy. Like there's not much sci-fi out there, but I guess because of all the demand from the D&D people, Yep. It was quickly and cheaply on the board. Yep. If they've got a new adventure to do the next week, they want to just throw something on the board. They don't want to be spending all the time like assembling, priming, doing all that. So mm-hmm. a lot of these miniatures, like the pre-assembled ones, will come pre-primed. Like the ones from WizKids are what I bought a whole bunch of. So they've got their their Deep Cuts Pathfinder line, which I think is a different type of plastic than their other line for the Nolzers miniatures. I think they're the same. It's literally different branding and new sculpts. Okay. Because I have not cut into the deep cuts material. So Uh I guess we'll get that. I think think basically they signed a deal with Pathfinder, but it was not exclusive. And then, of course, if D&D comes to you and says, hey, we like those, do it for us. They basically said, okay. (laughs) And that they did both, right? Like WizKids is a much bigger company than... At least Pathfinder, it's probably smaller than, than Hasbro, the parent company, but like um, the D&D portion of like the D&D division of Hasbro, Wizkids should be bigger, I believe. Yeah. Because D&D is a, a, a division of Wizards of the Coast, which is a division of Hasbro, right? Yep. Yeah. So I've only bought their pre-primed miniatures. So I can't comment on the quality of their painting. I have seen them painted in the store, which mm-hmm. they, I mean, the colors are in the right spots, but they mm-hmm. kind of lack shading and all that. But what? But you've seen them painted by people. Oh, no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about, sorry, they have a painted line. 
Okay. Which yeah, but their, their painted line is not the same line though, right? So no, there's there's basically two lines. Um, there is a there's a there's a large actual WizKids very very popular uh, line uh, that's called um, like you said no. Pathfinder's Deep Cuts and then Nolzer's Marvelous Minis. Yeah, those think are the two lines of yeah pre-planned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are basically pre-assembled and pre-primed and they're really cheap like they are they're three or four dollars the plastic is not super good but like three or four or or, or five dollars was it like six 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 or seven dollars for two miniatures right or if yeah. there's one right so it's like three dollars per miniature or sometimes even less depending on 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 inflation and shit yeah. um, you might not want both because they usually come with two different fairly different looking miniatures in one package Mm-hmm. But for that price, you don't really worry about it. Yep. Yeah. So to to me, that's you know, it's a it's a really good deal, and and you know, especially as a supplement, if you're if you're a, uh, a RPG player, it totally makes sense to go and collect these and buy them and like slowly build out your collection a lot, right? It's very easy. But um, they also have another line, which is actually older than their deep cuts line, right? Which is it's the, the deep cuts line is supposed to say, Hey, we, we're making it easy for you to pick and choose which miniatures you want, you want, uh, and then just throw some paint on it, right? You can have the, the painting portion that's all yours, and then you get it on the table for cheap. They have another line which is older than that line, which is actually quite expensive, and it comes from um, a collector's kind of idea. Because what it, do you remember what the name is? I think it's called Icons of the Realms. Yeah, Icons of the Realms. It's a D&D line that is pre-packaged, but also random. So the whole point of it, I, I don't know if you remember, but like in the in the 90s and early 2000s, there was like uh, from WizKids a whole bunch of different like, like hero clicks and things like that, where it was collectible miniatures games, where you got, you bought a box and you didn't know the miniatures that came in it so that it, you got that kind of collectible feel. But all those miniatures were pre-painted and painted badly because you're you're paying someone in like a factory two dollars an hour to to paint like i don't know a hundred minis an hour or something i don't know how many probably not a hundred but like mm-hmm. 10 minis an hour right at least how how yeah how it's at least right how good of a painter are you going to be to to be able to do that especially how are you going to hit the eyes the thing that annoyed me about these actually so basically in summation it's a line of uh, boxes that you buy that have randomized pre-painted miniatures that you just buy a whole bunch of boxes and 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 you open them up and hopefully you get the miniatures you want from that set, right? And each set has a bunch of different miniatures that are pre-painted. The crazy thing is those boxes are really expensive because obviously paying, even though you're paying that person, like, I don't know, very, very cheap. I don't think it's actually $2 an hour, <laughs> but you're paying them not enough on to, to paint a whole bunch of miniatures, it still adds a lot of cost, right? Painting a miniature is not that easy if you've yeah, ever tried it. Versus just pulling it out of a mold. Yeah. Yeah. So if Much you ever tried it, you you know it's not easy, right? So the price for prepackaged, uh, randomized, do you know how much it is? I was going for like $18 each. Yeah, so around like 50, I think it's like 15 for like one or two miniatures, basically $15 for the same number of miniatures or something like that, or, 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 right? So it's like the cost is not just two times. It's like three times or something, right? Just just getting it painted, 
right? Yep. Um, I think the boxes are nicer, so maybe that that adds to the cost. Still, like the cost goes up a lot, right? If even if you look at the collectibles that are painted that are this small that have a lot less detail that you have to paint, those are are at least twice the price as well, right? So there's like a minimum floor to how much you could pay, you you can pay. Although I do remember um, getting, you know, the little um, it's like the gumball machines, right? There's fancy Japanese gumball machines, right? That that have large balls like pokeballs. Yep, like Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Easter eggs uh, or. And, and basically the idea of Pokeball is probably because those things are quite common in, in Asian, in, in Asia, right? So Where you have little toys. So it's, like old, it's older than Kinder Surprise Age? No, Kinder Surprise might be older. Oh, okay. But it's definitely 20 years old at least. So it's, it's older than Pokemon. Maybe 30 years or something. I, I remember growing up seeing them. Okay. And their little ball, they used to come in little boxes, but then they sold in grocery stores and stuff, right? With little, little miniatures. And now then they started selling them in like, you know, pokeballs with the gumball machines, right? But with really big ones and they were pre-painted and they were small. Like you could get, I got a Pikachu, a little miniature Pikachu Mm -hmm. um, for like one or $2 back then. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there is some sort of way, like, I don't know, using spray paints and stencils to, to quickly paint them. Yeah, they're quite common for pretty cheap. They're not super cheap, right? They're they're more expensive than a gumball, <laughs> but they were they were cheap enough that your your kids would go and buy them as a almost as like would buy them themselves. It's like treating as candy. Yeah, exactly. It's more expensive than a candy bar, but at the same time, you were getting a toy. So as a kid, you're like, yeah, toys are way better than candy. Well, one piece of candy. Yep. So the pre-painted's never doesn't have a reputation of being good. And I'm just looking at the icons of the realm right now, some of the new stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it has paint on it, but it doesn't have any shading. And yeah. Yes, that's it's true. All very, all very the little color. miniatures that I saw were of like little spacemen, right? Like robot, like Gundams yep. or monsters, right? Or heroes, some, some uh, Japanese, basically Saturday morning cartoon heroes. Mm-hmm. So they have- and yeah, they're 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 well. They were not shaded, right? There's no shading. It's just like flat painting. And I wouldn't be surprised if they use stencils, right? You put your stencil on, you spray it, and then you 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 know you, if you have an assembly line or something like that. Um, but as I understood, for um, pre-painted miniatures, um, even though they're around the same size, the the amount of detail on miniatures was actually much higher than the things you would get in those balls. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the the D and D ones look like people. Yeah, I think they made some some sort of mistakes though. I don't know if you've ever do you ever play HeroClix, which is like the the most popular pre painted miniatures thing from what the nineties or two thousands. No, I left that alone. Okay, there's there's a couple of lines that are really popular back then, and I think basically died out now, right? But. Um, we can go back to a cut, the, 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 the current pre-painted miniatures, but like Heroclix, and they might even sell some Heroclix now as like, but probably to collectors um, who are grown up. But 
the problem I think was they tried to paint them like you would paint, like a miniature painter would paint them. Right. So mm -hmm. if you think about a person, instead of uh, like, if you're a miniature painter, you're going to dot the, the eyes, you'd have white and then you have the black dot. Right. And then you'd have all the details, right. That's way too detailed for someone who's pre-painting to like kick up that many miniatures, which means that, you might like if they just painted the the skin color and the lines, right? Like I said, like like the Japanese kind of style from those little whatever box, uh, like Pokemon balls. Um, if it was just blocks of color, it could look a lot better. But if you're trying, like imagine when you dot your eyes, you have to finish it in what in like two seconds. You have to be like bup bup and then move on, right? We have oh, to yeah. do the white too. You have to go white white bup bup, and it has to be perfect, right? Maybe you hit it one out of every five miniatures. But if you have to pump about five miniatures and you're in like painting for like nine hours that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not, you're on average, you're not going to get it. And I think that was the problem. And I think it would have been a lot better if they had recognized what you can get away with. Um, dark lines for the eyes and called it a day. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think it would look a lot better if everyone was just Asian and they just had a line. It would look way better. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was why it's better in Japan. Everyone's Asian. They just have lines for eyes. Oh, they did different countries. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think that's actually true. But no, I don't think so either. Also, Japanese people have pretty big eyes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm Chinese, so to the to me, I'm like, oh, Japanese people have big eyes. Just, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we've gone over D&D a lot because I guess there's a demand there for them. <clears throat> the other most obvious game that I think people would recognize just from mm -hmm. the <clears throat> from its background is the X-Wing Metro's game, mm -hmm. which we played for a while. And the yep. figures in that, because those we're talking about aren't people-shaped, so they can be painted with stencils, mm -hmm. that the quality on those kept going up and up as the series came out. Yeah, because again, it's painting like it's it's kind of like the japanese like balls right is that they're very flat colors they're painted right but they're ships so they make sense right and another thing with x-wing is it's the um the look of the ships are supposed to be for um a little bit grimy because that's the star wars uh, aesthetic right so so Instead, they'll, they'll often have a wash on the ship as opposed exactly. to like other pre-painted miniatures that just have flat colors. It looks mm -hmm. like they actually wash the ships to get all the lines done for the dark yep. lining. Yeah. Which really makes them look pretty good because they have dark lining. And then it gives them the sort of dirty look that you expect from Star from Wars. From Star Wars. Exactly. You, it, if you looked at the Star uh, Trek line, it didn't look half as good because it doesn't make sense for Star Trek to look more grimy and used and, and whatever. They're supposed to look sleek and shiny. So they didn't really do washes, but then it made them everything look super flat, right? And because these people are still not, like the people that are assembling and painting them can't spend tons of time on them. Like it's so much harder to kick those out and make them look good just because of the aesthetic you're going for. It's too hard. Yep. So yeah, they sucked. Oh, maybe it was, it was also might've been done by a different company. 
because yeah, I think been. Fantasy Flight did X-Wing and, and was in charge of doing that. So whatever supplier they got, even if it's from the same supplier, they maybe they just give them better instructions. They're like, no, you have to wash it. It has to look like this. And lo and behold, X-Wing miniatures looked freaking great, but they weren't cheap. Like yeah. compare them to your, your Pathfinder deep cut stuff. Oh, no, they're much more expensive. I guess you could assume there's some sort of IP cost, but the cost was in the same range as the Star Wars or the Star Trek attack wing mm-hmm. prices. So, oh, yeah. Also, Star Trek, it doesn't even make as much sense for fighting. No, they, they didn't dog fight quite that, quite that much. Yeah. When you think about the quintessential Star Trek thing, it's not about spaceship fights, it's about away teams going onto planets. And, who and comes then, back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how many, who dies? How, how do they come back? And how do they like, get around the fact that they're not supposed to interfere even though they interfere every single time <laughs> they're like the prime directive says we shouldn't interfere how are we going to get around this this time yes no no one wanted to have dog fights with shuttlecraft that wasn't the game oh, that's terrible play. yeah i guess i guess that's why it was super exciting when you had like uh three three well technically i guess there was some fighting but it was mostly like your one, it's like two ships, basically. It's the Enterprise versus another ship. And then they get hit and then they all go like this, shake. And then, the camera shakes, yes. Yeah, the camera shakes. And then they generally talk it out or do something. They generally don't fight it out, right? Sometimes nope. they do. Sometimes they do. But it, it's rare. Anyways, that's just a, a little bit about how Star Trek fighting sucks. Yeah, it's not, that's not what it's about, so that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I I think I like Star Trek more than I like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a place in my heart for Star Trek more. And I like the best shows of Star Trek more than I like Star Wars. But, I don't know. I was going to say, but I was going to say, like, the thing... I wonder if the hour content... So, so percentage-wise, I was going to say... Star Wars is better, but they've been really kicking out a lot of bad content. So maybe Star Wars content percentage-wise is not as good, but the number of hours of good Star Wars content might be more than the number of hours of good Star Trek content. Yeah, who knows? The books Even if be- I like the Star Trek content more. Like the, the high is higher, but... There's a lot of forgettable uh, stuff. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of forgettable stuff. All right. So I don't know if there's too much more to say about X-Men. Like it's probably the the best painted mainstream miniatures out there. And it gets a, you, lot, gets a lot of people who don't want to, to paint anything into the game. How important do you think it was uh, for the game that it was pre-painted? Uh, I think it would have, hmm. The people we know who played, which might be a bias of our group of friends, mm-hmm. might've played it anyways because they're willing to paint. They're all painters. But I can't speak to the people outside of the traditional gaming stores. But because it was such a high-selling game, I'm mm-hmm. assuming it had to be selling to other audiences quite a lot. So if we talked about the price comparison, right? A ship is $16 in uh, X-Wing. Um, and a... Um, although it comes with a lot more pieces, right? 
Yeah. Like this card, more cardboarding cards and stuff like that. And the starter well, box is 50 bucks. Well, you could compare it to War Machine that comes with cards too. Only one card, but. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, but War Machine is in general more expensive, right? It doesn't have as big of a production line, right? Because they don't get the, uh, or they no longer get the, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the economies of scale that they used to get. Right, so everything is more expensive. Well, there aren't too many other bigger companies. There aren't too many companies selling as much as X Wing was. But if you start comparing no. to the WizKids, literally the thing we we're talking about before. Yeah, that's true. WizKids yeah, miniatures is it sells more. Nolzers is is higher selling than yeah. uh, X Wing. So you look at Nolzers, it's like five bucks or six bucks maybe for two miniatures. Yeah, and the level um, that's a so. huge. Yeah, the level of detail is quite high. Now they're people versus uh, like ships, mm -hmm. but do you think that the pre-paintedness of of uh, of X-wing really pushed it that much higher, as opposed to if it was pre-primed only? Oh yeah, I think a fraction of the people would have played it because now now anyone will play it. Just the people. So, who We'll pick it up. Even if it was pre, so you're saying that just the fact that they put on a stencil, put those lines on, and then washed it. Don't get me wrong; it looked good, right? But I'm just saying that the ability for some random person to do it is actually quite easy. Um, was a was a big enough barrier that you think that the X wing, like it's worth that that it more than overcompensated for the. Uh, extra cost, right? Because the cost is also a thing, right? People are going to get turned off by the cost of the game. Or do you think it's just that, um, that it's all, you also have to combine in the fact that there was really not that many pre-painted miniatures games on the market at the time. Yeah, and you don't so it ate up that entire, like the, that entire group of people that were itching for a game. It may have done that and lost my train of thought. But well, well, my question is: assuming that um, the let's assume that X Wing already exists, right? Let's assume you're a new game, right? And you have the choice: you can either pre-paint your miniatures, right, in a way that'll come up like X Wing, right? Pay that extra money, or you can cut the cost probably in half of producing the thing, or probably maybe even more to have it just pre-primed? I think it only matters because the IP appeals to a more broad, a broader audience. Like if you were making your own homebrew game mm -hmm. that people didn't recognize, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think the visual appeal would be as big to them, but for the people who just want to see the ship look like the ship looks, mm -hmm. then they're just gonna wanna buy it, paint it off the shelf. So it looks like mm -hmm. an X-Wing or a TIE fighter. So because be, the reason why pre-painted sells so well for that thing is because people already have the idea of what it's supposed to look like painted. Whereas if you are an entirely new IP, peop, the, the ability to sell someone saying you can make it look any way you want is a might be a bigger driving factor or might be with that combined with the cheaper, the, the more cheapness and cost, would be a bigger uh, selling point, right? And getting the right audience that as opposed to pre-painting it in a way that they're like, I don't even know if I like it that way. 
Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And but how also, about how about the the D and D prepainted miniatures? So on the cost part, though, X Wing, you don't need too too many ships to play the game. Like if you want to be a collector and get everything, yeah, your costs are going to add up. But if you're going to be a casual player, you don't need so many ships to play that game. That that extra couple bucks a ship is going to be like prohibit someone from getting it's twice expen- as expensive. It's probably could be half the cost if it was not prepainted. Yep. Just looking at like the cost, we just went through like some of the costs of these other things, right? Mm-hmm. Like the painting is a significant cost price, right? Well, well I assume, I assume Lucasfilm or whoever now mm-hmm. Disney, I guess, would not uh-huh. be want some good money for the use of their intellectual property. Whereas that's true. I would well. suspect that D and D just wants people to play their game, mm-hmm. and that anything that gets put out number. there that yeah. is a decent quality to support their game, they'd be happy with. That's true. Because the quality of this stuff is really good in comparison to a lot of other stuff, like. We've talked about, or we've bought stuff from the Reaper Bone series before, which is another pre-assembled but not pre-painted line. Mm-hmm. But cool. they're not they're not pre-primed either. But no. I actually like that because, like you said, um, for uh, the Nolzers or Wizkid stuff, they have mold lines and they don't clean up the mold lines because that obviously is like takes a lot way longer than just pre-priming it and oh, pre-assembling yeah. it. Yeah. So aren't- I have to clean up mold lines. Like they're Whenever not I do these. bad, but they're there. So like you and I will remove them, which means we've got to go and reprime the thing. Yep. So the question is, do you just, so for me, I just uh, use a paint on primer just to prime the, the line, right? You'll probably just end up spraying them, right? Yep. I'll just lightly spray them because I don't need to get into the grooves anymore. I just need yep. to get these outer edges. So mm-hmm. it doesn't ruin the detail if you do Too a light much. priming. Yep. Also, I 50-50 just cut the measures into pieces and build them back into different things. So really to me, I don't care that they're assembled because I'm buying them for parts or just as like a base to convert okay. weapons onto. To Frankenstein so, them. So okay. I'm probably not the same audience as the people who are playing D&D and they're creating that exact monster out of the D&D setting to sell to that mm. person. Okay. Yeah, well, it looks like people actually like when I looked at the um, the the pre-painted miniatures line from WizKids for D and D, I always wondered who buys this when they have the non-painted thing for like, is it like at least one fourth? I think it's one fourth the cost, right? Mm-hmm. Who actually would go and pay four times as much for a random for random miniatures in there, right? And Maybe it's not four times. It's like three times or something like that, right? Um, and then I was at the at, at our store. This is obviously uh, pre-COVID. Um, I was at the store, and some guy came in and said, "Hey, do you have the new set of uh, pre-painted miniatures?" And and the guy at the store, right, the, the store said, "Yeah, yeah, we we have it." And he said, "Okay, give me a whole a whole like box of them, right? Because they're they're random." He's, he, he paid like $200 or something like that, or at least a hundred. Maybe, maybe I'm, it, it was in between, it was more than a hundred. It's like, like a box of things. And when I say it, it it's gotta be more than a hundred because it's, I think it was over 200. So it's probably about 12 in a pack, 12 in one of those cases. There's more than 12. Cause I think each one comes with more than one miniature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just, 
blown away that someone would spend that much on random miniatures. But then I thought about it and I, I did like literally the, the week before then bought, bought $140 miniature. So mm -hmm. <laughs> a miniature kit that I had to assemble myself. So maybe it's not mm -hmm. as crazy as I was, I was thinking at the time. I remember thinking that's crazy. Well, you can think of it like lottery tickets for nerds. They're like, yeah. oh, what am I going to win? Yeah, that's the thing, because he liked the fact that it was pre-painted. For me, I'm like, why would you spend all this on things that are pre-painted and aren't even going to look that good when you buy them, right? On the other hand, to him, he's like, I get a whole bunch of things that look good, but I don't have to paint them. So that's worth even more to him, right? Well, I guess these people's standards are different. Yeah. To me, though, if I were going to spend $200, I'd rather buy a bunch of pre-painted miniatures and then pay a painter to paint them. And it's going to be way higher quality. And, and yeah, I'm paying even more now, right. Per model, but they're going to look way better. Yeah. They'll look how you want. And I get to choose the ones that I want, but maybe, you know what, maybe there is fun because like, you know, like you said, lottery tickets, playing lottery is fun. Well, it's like people who buy those bingo. GW, like the, the space Marine line they came out with is just like one random space Marine. And then they moved on to Nurgle after that people gambling on what they're going to get from it. Yeah, actually it is kind of fun because uh, I think I've hinted at this before, uh, but uh, I started looking at um, magic, the gathering again, because of YouTubers that I watch. Uh, and so I bought a cube, right? So I bought basically singles to assemble a cube because we haven't played magic uh, extensively since our childhood. Um, like I played on and off throughout the years, but like, the last time I played a lot was when we were children, right? So I had this giant nostalgia. I, I bought a whole bunch of collections to play a cube, which is like a board game way to play magic. Um, but because I was doing that, I started just feeling the urge to buy packs. And then <laughs> just, just the idea of opening up a pack and getting something that I wanted. I'm like, I kind of want to buy some just like Fallen Empires. Because when we were playing Fallen Empires was... Uh, was one of the, the sets that we played and Fallen Empires was super cheap, right? For pack. And I was like, oh, I just want to buy packs to have the feeling of opening it up, even though nothing in Fallen Empires is worth anything. But now Fallen Empires is like $20 a pack or something like that. Yeah, I think there's a price range where you're just willing to gamble. Yeah. And now, and then I was thinking, maybe I should buy a revised pack. You know, a revised, like a pack of revised is 15 cards. It comes with one rare. Most of the rares are like not that expensive. Yeah, I'm just trying to think how you still acquire these things that are not. They're over $100 each. Yeah, well, there you go. And I'm seriously thinking of buying one just for fun. Just, just think about the, it's literally buying a lottery ticket. So what I'm saying is I totally understand this guy, even though at the time I did not. Just the fun of opening up a random lottery ticket and be like, oh, what can I see? Maybe I'll get that. I, I think I was talking before that that mint condition Vesuvian doppelganger that I always wanted as a child because mm -hmm. yeah, it was OP at the time. You'll win the boat from the lottery. Exactly. You know what the crazy thing is? If the pack I paid for is $100, the Vesuvian doppelganger is only $25. Mm -hmm. So I literally... <laughs> It's the same thing as the miniatures, I guess. It's just like I bought a lottery ticket for a hundred dollars, hoping that I can win something that is twenty-five dollars. It's not like a boat at all. It's way worse. And then, but but you can get you can get um, dual lands. That's why they're so expensive, right? Because the dual land is worth multiple hundreds of dollars. So you can get like you can 
If you get a dual land, you might be able to buy five more packs looking for your $25 Vesuvian Doppelganger. Yeah, this, this, yeah. maybe this has been replaced by like loot bag things for miniatures. You just, they just yeah. keep sending you random miniature garbage. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I just like the gameplay aspect. It's just fun. It's like the idea of commerce, right? And getting something randomly. Mm -hmm. um, it's fun as long as it doesn't become addictive, right? And, and doesn't make you throw away too much more money. But the idea of randomly getting it is does give extra fun, right? Yep. Oh, if I thought things would be useful, I might randomly buy them. But for the most part. Yeah. So, so would you go into a raffle? Let's say... Um, Let's say our, our store, our certain board, had like a January or after a monthly raffle where you could get something that's really good for your, your ticket and you help get you they would say, Oh, help support the store, go into this raffle, you might be able to win this other thing, this big thing, or you random win random garbage. Would you go in for it? No, because even when I go to tournaments and they have raffles with really good prices, I don't join because I'm like, okay, I really? I, don't. I do but because I want to support the people. Only if I want to support the people as well. Yeah. Yeah, so you support you support the game. That's why, you know, like I always bought raffles, right? Because I wanted to support the 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 tournament, right? Mm -hmm. Or the whatever, the events, right? So I would do the same thing if I if I knew I was supporting the store. I wouldn't do it for like games workshop. I say that, but I probably would just because of the fun of gambling. But I would <laughs> it would be purely on that. I'm just saying that I would totally I think you should do it. I think you should you should put money into the this hypothetical, like totally fantasy raffle that to help support the store. Hmm. You know, times are tough right now. Or I'll just buy the stuff I want from the store and just paint. That's it. right. I actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense too. Yep. So back to the I guess pre-painted miniatures. Yeah. I think we were talking about some things that have disappeared that were pre-painted. Uh huh. Like old battle tech. It's Age of Darkness or something like that. Yeah, Age of Darkness is literally a Heroclix thing. It's a Heroclix offshoot, yep. I believe. It was by WizKids. Basically, WizKids, Heroclix was huge. Heroclix is, is superheroes, right? Um, and then they're like, oh, what other IPs could we do? I think they actually started with Mage Knight. So it was originally a fantasy pre-painted. Then it moved to superheroes. And then they're like, hey, maybe we can do Battletech. And they did Battletech for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I think guess, all of those are dead. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're dead. Uh -huh. well, I mean, they're out there still if you want to keep buying them. Because I don't mm -hmm. think, from what I heard, they didn't sell that well. So they still exist to be purchased. But mm -hmm. miniatures are very mediocre. The fact that they're small probably makes it more passable. Mm -hmm. But the, Battletech should be better because... It should be similar to the X-Wing thing, right? Battletech yep. robots should be dirty, grimy, and also generally just painted like one color, right? The shades with, with a wash. Mm -hmm. So I'm surprised that they don't look good. Is it they also had shitty uh, sculpting quality as well? It's mostly the sculpting quality, like the painting. Obviously, they're only going to show you pictures that are painted in the lines. Mm -hmm. but the sculpts just don't. Most of the sculpts don't appeal to me. So the problem is their designers were crap. Yes. Not I'm, crap, but let's I'm, say mass-produced. They're mass-produced. I'm not a fan of most Battletech to start with, so uh -huh. I'm not the right person. You don't like the, what is it called, the Atlas? The, 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 the guy with the dome skull head who looks like a really chunky, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, nutcracker? He looks like a nutcracker with a skull head. 
well, you don't they, like the nut. They should have called it the Nutcracker. I like I like cool. chicken necks as a rule. Oh yes, a battle tech goes towards the human humanoid mech. ones. It's yeah. inner, yeah. It's more inner sphere, right? The the inner sphere stuff were all humanoid, whereas the more um, not all humanoid, right? There were definitely some chicken mechs, but like when you started getting uh, the what are they called the clans like in Mech Warrior, right? There was more chicken mix. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite? Did you play Mech Warrior Two? Nope. So I don't really know. And I don't <gasps> really play. You didn't. You didn't like the 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 look of that mech with the two laser arms and the big two pods of missiles. It was a chicken walker with two big pods of missiles and then two oh, gun. Oh, I remember things. that one. That's what I'm thinking of. When that think looks super that. sweet. That's actually yeah. really cool. But. You know, that's not the normal map. <laughs> yes. And then you play more and you're like, what the hell are these things? What is this we guy? What is this nutcracker-like thing running around? And that's, that's like supposed to be the scary one. But you know what? It's one of those things where it's so over-the-top ridiculous that I started liking it. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so stupid looking. I love it. Yeah. Well, these. Think about the entire idea of Mech Warrior. It is kind of stupid. No, Anyways, are oh, you going to tell me no, Mech Warrior? The, the entire idea of like these super giant robots running around in ritualized combat is not stupid. No, nah, seems. I'd say it's stupidly good. awesome. Don't get me wrong; yeah, like it's, it's awesome, it's, but like it's still stupid. It's it like is stupid in the awesome way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like in uh, what's that movie, Pacific Rim? Yeah, those are human bots, but those are actually. For the most part, those are human bots, but those are actually cool. Yeah, yeah m cooler looking. Yeah, for sure. They're like, well, if we're going to make it humanoid, why don't we just go all in? So they look like humans in super cybernetic, robotic, whatever. Yeah, and they went all in about how the people control them with their actual limbs, as mm -hmm. opposed to a mech warrior. I think you just had hand controls. Yeah, I, there's no real reason to make them uh, look like humans. Yeah. That's why the chicken bots look so much more um, practical. Yeah, they look they more long. Stable. They look more stable too as a mech, like the humanoid mech. Yeah. Tall, like the Gundam style, like, and too chunky, right? Whereas the the chicken walkers looked like if you needed a walker, this is how you would do it. So they would have like lanky legs so that you can walk over terrain, right? But then it would be thin so that you don't you're not you don't look overweight. Whereas all of these like super weighty other like humanoid mechs in Mech Warrior look really like they couldn't even move. Yeah. yeah, they looked like they couldn't walk. Yep, that's probably part of what didn't do it. Yep. All right, so yeah, that's actually, another one that's now, now bit the dust. Yeah. Can you think of any other pre-painted yes. that were for actual miniature games? That's like not WizKids. That's not the line of WizKids, like multiple iterations of Heroclix, Mage Knight, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember the name, though. Oh. It's quite popular. It's the one with the hexes. It was a kid's game. Not Mage Knight? No, it, it had hexes uh, that you built up, like plastic, like little hex things that you, you build on top of each other. It was very popular. Um, it was a kid's game about, and, and it released miniatures of all different types. It's like this, I don't know what you call it, like Valkyrie story where all of these races, like you could have sci-fi guys fighting angels, fighting, I don't know, vampires. Maybe there's no vampires because it's for kids. Uh, it was sold in kids' stores. And I know that a lot of, adults would go to kids stores to pick it up to play because the game, I guess if you're not into to miniature painting and into games workshop, mm -hmm. 
you got to play with miniatures without actually um, having to assemble and everything. And but it was sold as a kids game. So on the note of kids games and kids, let me, toys, let me look it up. Yeah, you go on. On the note of that, that reminds me of Gaslands, where I mean, if you're lazy, you can play Gaslands right out of the package of buying Hot Wheels. But any self-respecting miniature gamer will, of course, begin totally converting the car, adding little bits on, putting people inside, and then grinding the whole thing up to become very Mad Max-ish. But if you want to go to the kids' toy section and buy things and play a miniatures game, Gaslands totally exists out there. But I'm not saying that's how it should be played. Yes. I think, actually, if you could just... Um... If they, if people have sold guns that were pre-painted or just black, right, that you're supposed to just glue onto your cars, that'd be like, it's basically pre-painted. You just take whichever guns you want or, or what equipment on, you just glue it on. This is like a, a, a black gun pack, right? Or gray, whatever gun pack, but that's washed. Yeah, washed. Even if it's just metal. No, just literally, it's just metal. You could even have metal oh, and then computer. wash it with black, pewter, metal. And say, and then you just—it's a pack. It's a gun pack. You put yeah. it on. You glue it onto your car's super glue, and then you're good. And everything's pre-painted. Yeah, like I—I I totally repainted my cars, but I didn't have to. Yeah, you could even have like rams and stuff like that. Metal bars that are all well, it's metal. Just attach it. Yeah, actually, that'd be a really, really cool thing to do. Not. Oh, uh, well. so, someone should go about and do that. Well, I, I repainted literally my cars so that they're more matte. Yeah, and the sprues from North Star. Are all of course yeah, plastic. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you can totally play that pre-painted. And if you find like I don't know what you maybe maybe there are some um, transformers guns that you could steal from your your child, and then your child will come to you and say, "Where are my transformers guns?" And you just shrug, and you just glued them onto your, yeah. <laughs> your office cards, and then they're like, "And by the way, where are my cars?" Yeah, you just. I tried to buy. I tried to buy a Halo car that had a gun on it to switch Mm -hmm. it over. Mm -hmm. It turns out that part of the Hot Wheels was actually like rubbery plastic, which wouldn't glue for for its life. Uh, That's the end of that. No, okay. Really, they have rubbery plastic. I didn't. It's weird. They do. There's no point explaining why. It's it's because of how it was turret mounted, and for them to jam into a hole a piece of plastic had to be rubbery to fit through the hole. I think. Mm-hmm. And maybe they didn't want the little bits being dangerous to kids with this like sharper barrel protrusion. And if oh, wait, broken, are you talking about the halo thing was rubbery plastic or the Hot Wheels was rubbery plastic? It was a halo car made by Hot Wheels. Oh, okay. But they made part of the gun out of rubbery plastic. Oh, okay. I get it. It's a safety thing. Okay. That's too bad. I know. Yeah. I found the name of the, of the game, HeroScape. Okay. Do you remember that? It sounds familiar. But... Yeah, we didn't really play it because we were already into Games Workshop by then and we were like knee deep into like the deepest of, of hobbies. Um, but yeah, so HeroScape is a pre-painted uh, game. I don't know if they still sell it. Did they still sell it? It didn't turn up in my search of games, but... I was looking for I think it, it does it play it sounds like a Hasbro board game because you're talking about hexes. So uh, no, nah, it's it's 
if you look at it, it's just a it's it's a hex uh, miniatures game, right? It's a miniatures. Like if you look at it, like how people play, it's it's a little bit crazy. It's like you know that uh, uh, BattleTech is a is a hex game too, right? But it's definitely a miniatures game. Of how you build your lists with adding whatever you want and upgrading yep. stuff. Functions. Yeah. Yep. So I'm. I, let's see. HeroScape. I think it discontinued in 2010. Oh, there you go. Good to know. Yeah, but... So going back to using things for a miniatures game, if you think about like the D&D figs and you were trying to play a rank and flank game where you need, say, trays of 10 guys or tr- or squads 10 guys, mm-hmm. at that point when you want to have like... You probably don't want to have 10 of the same sculpt being a unit. Mm-hmm. And once you start buying 10 packs to get 10 of the same guy... Now you're looking at $60 to make a squad. It's probably not very cost-effective to use them, these pre-assembled miniatures, to build squads. Do you know the price of Games Workshop miniatures? Yeah, yeah, they are that price. (laughs) It's kind of weird because they used to be cheaper for like a pack, if you got the ones that are pack of 20, but just the price is becoming more more expensive, even for the 20 packs. Yep. So, like a pack of 20 will be $60. So you're still paying like $3 or $4, $3 or $4. And these are like the small guys, right? Yep. Yeah. So, but you could build an army out of those figures, but you, you probably wouldn't because they would all look the same. You don't need that much variety. Like uh, I think one of the other ones that are uh, pre-assembled that we haven't talked about um so not like games workshop where you have to assemble them yourself where they they basically tell you to do the the work and say that that's part of the fun it's like stone souping you basically yeah oh you it, it you know it's, yeah anyways um so uh is uh and um what's it called game of thrones yes that's something new rather than talking about things that have gone away Things that have gone away. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah, we can talk about why they've gone away a little bit later, but yeah. So Game of Thrones, new game, all pre-assembled. So you don't have to do that. Have you purchased any Game of Thrones stuff? I will probably buy some of them at some point to uh-huh. use for to use for our game and maybe uh-huh. use Crossgrave, even though I'm I'm aware they're, they call themselves 32 millimeter miniatures. Mm-hmm. So right, they are on larger scale. Mm-hmm. I've seen yours in person as well, and the quality—they weren't painted yet. The mm-hmm. quality looks about the same quality as the Pathfinder miniatures. They're better. They're better quality. Okay. Yeah, they're more expensive. Oh, are they more expensive? No, they're at the same price. So but you have to buy them in packs of twelve. Yeah, our cheap game store that doesn't let you play at it—you can buy them for thirty dollars for those packs. Yeah, and I think it's twelve models for thirty to forty. I think. Yeah. I think the later ones are more expensive, but it's something like that. I don't think it's 30. I think it's more expensive than that, 35 or something like that. But mm-hmm. in any case, it's $12. Uh, sorry, it's 12 guys in each of those packs. So it's a decent number of people. So per model, the only problem is unlike the Pathfinder and cut stuff, um, which is you only have to buy two guys, which is only one more than you actually want. If you want one guy from, uh, from, uh, 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 Game of Thrones pack, you get 11 too many guys. 
because it yes. literally comes in packs of 12s. Like of when course. they sell when they sell uh, like heroes, they're, they're, it's a box and it comes with like, it's a box of six, I think. So a minimum, unless it's like the really big guys or a cavalry, which I think is sold in boxes of four, you need, it's because the game is a rank and flank game, right? Ostensibly. Yeah, and the people who use this tokens to be taken off. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right. Which, which is just, just to me, like, do you really need 12 guys? I guess if they want it to look a certain way, but just to me, it's just too many guys. Well, they want they want the battle to look big. But anyhow, the price on those is quite reasonable. And how did you find I thought the quality was okay? How are the mold lines? Because I didn't look super closely. There are mold lines, but the plastic is kind of weird. It's like um it's a hard PVC. No, it's like a saw. What's PVC? I don't know what PVC is. Oh, that's what that's what the Pathfinder is made out of. It's it's its own thing. It's kind of soft. It's easy to cut, but it's fairly rigid. So it's not like spongy like the... Reaper bones. Reaper bones. Mm -hmm. But it's not like hard plastic. Not quite hard like uh, GW. Like uh, it's actually, it does feel like resin. It's similar to resin. Maybe it is a resin. It's like a cheap resin. I don't know how, like considering the price... It's, it's got to, to me, it seems like its own, I don't know, good mix kind of resin thing in between where it's very, fairly soft, easy to cut into, but relatively still like rigid. Okay. Overall, That's I think it's quite good. And the swords don't feel like they're going to break off. Depends on how thin they are. But, yeah, okay. um, like things like just don't feel like they're going to break. It does feel like it's more likely to break than a Games Workshop plastic, yep. right? But, you know, Games Workshop has been really pushing it. Like a lot of their miniatures are waste, are so thin that you're like, this is going to break if you if you played it regularly, right? And like- and new stuff, e yeah. Yeah, even though it's pretty good in terms of its, what do you call it? It's bend and it's, its rigidity for its thinness. Like there's only so much you can do, right? Before it actually snaps off. So, um, Overall, I think it's good. I think the quality is good for the price. Um, the only the issue, the designs yeah. are, are are mixed. I think their initial set was higher quality. Their new stuff is a little bit mixed. I feel like they basically have a number of sculptors, and I like some of them, and I like I don't like some of them. Okay. I've would, seen some big itis come into the game, yep. basically. And would you say there's scale? Because a lot of miniatures are probably closer to the 30 millimeter range these days. Mm -hmm. we, most, like the Nolzers, I would say, are probably close to 30. They're definitely not little tiny 28s. Mm -hmm. Would you say that the 32 used by Game of Thrones is too big to mix in with other stuff? Or is it, no. does it fit pretty well? I think it fits into Games Workshop size. So whatever. Games Workshop has also gotten bigger, though, right? Yeah, so, so so Game of Thrones big. is better, and or I guess it's called Song of Ice and Fire, right? Yes. Sorry, yeah, Game of Thrones is uh, is just yeah. Anyways, the miniature game is called Song of Ice and Fire, um, and um, yeah. So the the miniatures are, in my opinion, in many ways better than the Games Workshop stuff because I don't like assembling things anymore. Although. Like you said, there's some issues with the fact that, you know, there's assembly, it's harder to clean up off some of the uh, mold lines. 
but the other thing that you get uh, is um, they are more true scale. So people have much more realistic proportions as opposed to against workshop garbage. So yeah, I don't think we yeah we didn't I don't think we named anything that has terrible proportions because the D and D figures came from probably three D sculptors who are used to doing more computer based graphics work. That's mm -hmm. my guess, and not from the miniatures world because they've always been three D sculpted. Whereas, I think the entire giant head thing, I think because you're, if you take it from RPGs, I think we mentioned this before when we talked about big headitis. Um, if you're, if you're coming from a different world that is not miniatures, people with warped proportions like that is just weird. Yep. If someone has proportions as warped as games workshop and stuff like that, you would expect them to be cartoons, but they don't look cartoony. They're realistic with warped proportions. It's, yeah, it's very it's weird. odd. Yeah, it's why it, what it's not as jarring when you see the old miniatures, because the old miniatures were more cartoony overall. Whereas the new miniatures try to be realistic, but which is probably why, honestly, their heads are are becoming like are being less heroic scale, right? In, in terms of games workshop. Yeah, with all the <clears throat> excuse me, with all the extra details in the new models that bring them make them more realistic. Mm -hmm. that having them have cartoonish looks and weird bubbly faces no and longer makes giant sense. heads and pumpkin hands it doesn't make as much sense yeah so it's yeah. coming but down things we've mentioned so far don't suffer from this yeah so song and ice of song of ice and fire pretty good overall i'd say good overall my only problem is if you don't actually want to play that game because i don't um you just get too many miniatures whenever you buy it but it's like recently re reasonably priced right like if you think about it i should be okay with buying four like there's each 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 box generally comes with four four unique sculpts three three inventory and one captain right if you bought four miniatures for 30 or 40 dollars it's not super crazy right nope the only problem is then what am i going to do with these other eight miniatures Whatever, they join the pile. You give them away to somebody. Yeah, maybe I should just give them away, right? Like, if I did, oh, shoot. Uh, if I did that, um, it'd make a lot more sense, but I just can't mentally get over the idea of putting, giving that much more money <laughs> to, for miniatures I'm not even going to really use. You know, I, 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 for the stuff I have right now, I've converted a bunch of them, so they have different, some of them, and, and they have different weapons and stuff, but I'm really like, struggling on the idea of, of having multiples. You know, two of everyone is fine, but like three of everyone is a little bit weird. Yeah, because we come from a place of thinking about using things in Frostgrave yeah. as well, because that's very miniatures yeah. agnostic as well. Like D&D, &D, you want agnostic stuff. Frostgrave, you want mm -hmm. agnostic. I guess we probably should have talked exactly. about this earlier. Mm -hmm. Think about maybe- Oh, what games would you even use with these miniatures? Yeah, maybe like Warlords of Erluan, you'd go agnostic. Mm -hmm. Yep, I just the one from Mantic. The that is Warlords of Early One. Oh, okay, that's the fantasy, right? Mantic yeah. wasn't. Oh, wait, is it? Yeah, it's Warlord. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. What mm -hmm. they originally weren't going to release it, but they they did. Um, there's the new one from Joseph McCullough that I have in my shelf right now. Uh, Oathmark. Unfortunately, yeah. launched during the pandemic, so. It's really kept down. 
Yeah, so that's agnostic as well. Mm -hmm. There's yeah, lots of games, honestly, like, and they're, they get released all the time. Like our game is miniaturized agnostic, right? Yep, you you've got those sort of one page rules, people to put stuff out. Mm -hmm. like, so. um, technically, if you play Games Workshop games at home with your buddies, it's miniature agnostic. Literally Kings of War, is that the one you're thinking about? Yes, there we go, Kings of War. I Did you say Warlord or Mantic? I said Mantic. I think Mantic is Kings of War. Yeah, Mantic is Kings of War. Sorry, I thought you said Warlord. Warlord is Warlord's a fairly one. Yes. So. Anyhow, we've played Warlord's a fairly one together. That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, Mantic is Kings of War. Sorry, that's the that's the one you were thinking about. Yeah, Mantic Kings of War. Uh, yeah, if you, uh, yeah, you're supposed to be able to play Kings of War miniatures with uh, Games Workshop, right? Not tradition. Age of Sigmar, sure, play it. As long as you're, you, yeah. Age of Sigmar has a very, very specific look to itself, which is, it's good, but a lot of people want the classic fantasy look, so they may, yep. they're going to switch over to those other miniature agnostic games to get their classic fantasy figures. Yep. And then what else? What other big ones are there? Oh, we, we well, literally, actually, the the number of like games out out there that are big. I guess we were just in a in a small hobby, right? So there's actually not that many big ones. It's just the fact that there's tons of small ones, right? Like what what is that game? The skirm. There's a, like a lot of skirmish games, right? Um, Song of Blades and Heroes. Okay. I have never played that, but like it's it's relatively popular and apparently really easy to get into. Uh where you're just supposed to take random things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like one of the fun, like literally uh um what do you call it? Uh who does uh Frostgrave? North Star makes the official miniatures for them. Yeah, but the company, sorry. Oh, the, Osprey. The, yeah, Osprey literally has a line, right, for, for the past four years where they release a blue book. I think it's every month, right? Yep. And it's a new rule set every month to play miniature games. And they're not always fantasy, right? But a lot of them are fantasy. Like one that was quite popular was Dragon Rampant or Lion Rampant, I guess was the, the, the non-fantasy version, historical version. And then Dragon Rampant was the fantasy version. Yeah. Yeah, so like with all of these kind of different games coming through, Rangers of Shadow Deep, which we've talked about, like actually most of the games that we play, are they not now? Are, are, are they not, like besides Infinity, they're pretty miniatures agnostic. Yeah, that's true. It's, do we even play the ones? Yeah, we do we even play now the ones that are, are like that require you to, to buy certain miniatures? No, because I think we've gone more towards the narrative side a little bit where you want to be able to just alter the rules no one's gonna be like oh you can't that's not the right way to play yeah Whereas with these mantra agnostic games that are produced by small independent people you don't feel mm -hmm. like you're ruining the game by just changing the rules mm -hmm. or, or, or changing your miniature mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily super like competitive tournament focused 
So if you show up and, and you have to tell them, yeah, this is my hero, they're not going to say, well, I'll never remember that because this hero is supposed to look like this model, right? And give you flack for that. Mm -hmm. Right? Although technically we still do with Infinity, but Infinity has very lax uh, conversion rules. So. Yeah. You're supposed so you think to, about it. Yeah, sorry. You're supposed to play with actual Infinity figures for their, their recommendations. So at some point, swapping one mentor for another mentor could become confusing. So that's just the only thing to avoid. Well, just like the same thing. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to take a little rat man and be like, oh no, that's my like barbarian. Like, oh no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unless it's a rat man barbarian. Yes, then you're all good. Holding a big sword with two hands and a tail and wearing a, a fur bikini. Yep. Um, just to amuse your opponents. Actually, that's pretty cool, rat man barbarian. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, when you think about it, the number of games that require you to, to use those miniatures is actually in the minority by a lot, right? It's just that they're the most popular. Like literally it's Song of Ice and Fire, Malifaux, Infinity, War Machine, uh, War Machine, Everything Games Workshop, and Games Workshop. It's just like, and Games Workshop is literally what? Uh, Sigmar. Age of Sigmar, uh, 40K, Necromunda, those are the biggest ones, I would say. Yeah. Oh, they have Warcry now. Warcry, Kill Team, and Blood Bowl. Yep. And technically, they have that other board game game, which I have on my shelf. Shadespire? Yes. Yeah, it's very board gamey. Actually, Games Workshop is real. Oh, and Battle for Middle Earth, the Lord of the Rings game. So actually, they have a lot. Games Workshop literally is like half of the games that require you to use their miniatures. Yes. Or more. They're probably more than half. So if you just get out of the the, the Games Workshop space, you, you have a much more freedom, yeah, to go and buy and use these miniatures. Space. And you can even get unpainted, like pre-painted stuff. Although literally, like, like we said, if you get cheap enough stuff, you just pay people to paint it. It's worth it. Yeah, maybe there'll be a different podcast. What you... No, not that well, we it's, it's kind of similar to the way that we're talking about right now. Like why? Okay. So here's the thing, I guess this is the final, we're, we're coming into the very end of the podcast. Why? <laughs> we talked about all these different things. <laughs> Maybe we should have asked when should you be like, obviously the cheapness or whatever we talked about why, why we bought them, but um, why would you pay for pre-painted stuff? And when is it better? I think if you're going to use it very briefly, I might buy it. Like if I was playing D and D and I, and the thing wasn't going to reoccur, just uh -huh. for the sake of my time, I might just buy pre-painted. If I'm like nobody's going to care what this thing is, I'm going to pay this extra like fifteen bucks for this miniature. And if you can afford it, you just pay it. It gets used for like ten minutes in the game and then it's gone. But you need it. Mm -hmm. You might do okay. It. Whereas even if you were to go to the other route of buying a cheaper uh, miniature, let's say from either Bones or from uh, Nolzers or, or, or Deep Cuts, Pathfinder Deep Cuts, even if if it's cheaper to, and better quality to buy one from there and then get someone to paint it so that you save your time, it's still more effort and it's still also longer 
in terms of being able to uh, find you know, a get it ready. Yeah, find a commission painter, get them to paint it and give it back to you. It's just still more effort and probably a little bit, still a little bit more expensive. Even if you would say that it's worth it for the quality, if it's literally one 10 minute encounter and then done, then is it really worth putting that much more effort and a little bit more money, even if the quality is so much higher? Mm -hmm. That's your argument? I think that's, that's where true. I can see. That's where I can see it being done. Or I could okay. see myself if I was in that situation doing it. It's like, okay, we have our characters. Mm -hmm. Those are all painted to like a nice standard. And then when yeah. something's just going to appear randomly, whatever. That's true. But you want it to fit in. Like if you were playing all unpainted, sure, uh -huh. you play all unpainted and looks uniform. But if you're playing painted, you got to keep it all painted. That's true. And it's more fun to have it painted. It's just like all the, the old, whatever Greek and Roman stuff was painted. Yes. You ever see a recreation of, of those? Oh, like the buildings that were stone but painted? No. Of, of the, the statues that were painted. Some of them, yeah, they look kind of garish. They... Yeah, but here's the thing that I, I was reading about is like the recreation is not accurate. The because or the plain because plain. how they how they choose the colors to put on are they they get it from like flecks and cracks and things like that right mm -hmm. so they only know the general paint color they, they don't they, they don't know, know the the, exactly you're literally only looking at the base coat of the of the miniature i was going to say mm -hmm. but it's actually the life size <laughs> of larger. the life size statue yeah or larger right so if you think about it they do that you think that they're like, you know, all the classical painting, you see the beautiful kind of paint jobs they can do on walls. You think that they're not going to do that on statues? Well, they uh, had limited fancy. materials back then. So they, it might have just been They so didn't have limited paints. Look at their walls. Mm -hmm. Shit. They're, they're not, they weren't super shitty painters. Mm -hmm. Wait, were they? Were they shitty painters? Things were very stylized. Maybe they were shitty. Wait, were they shitty painters? Who knows? So maybe they were shitty painters. I don't think about it. <laughs> very stylized. Let's just. Yeah, that's, that. just... <laughs> that's funny. All right, fair enough. So yeah, if you don't care, if you're not worried about the quality, you just go. It's kind of like an ascending level. Like mm -hmm. if you really don't care, you go pre-painted. If you, if you don't care too much, you buy the pre-assembled and pre-primed and you don't clean off the mold lines and then you just like slap some contrast. No, paint. you still clean off the mold lines. I don't know what oh, you're Oh, you gotta pre-prime it. <laughs> no, you don't. Well, actually you're gonna, whatever. You touch it primer, sure. You just take out that little bottle of touch it primer mm -hmm. and you put it on the edges. And maybe you even take it outside. You take your rattle can of white and you zenith that over the mm -hmm. guy so your contrast mm -hmm. paint goes on better? Sure. Just doing over the gray primer that a lot of these pre-paints are Contrast is not that much easier because you have to be, the, the problem as a beginner painter is actually being able to like really hit, like be, get paint in the lines and things like that. And you so need, if you're a starting painter, are you paint, really going to be that good with contrast? I don't know. I think you actually might not because contrast painting beyond that requires you to like paint in the lines and at the same time, control the opacity you're applying at because mm -hmm. you need to apply like high opacity in some areas and low mm -hmm. opacity in others and if you just mash it everywhere it doesn't look like anything 
but to use contrast paints properly, you've got to hit, you've got to put the paint on so that you have like the full color opacity in some spots and then leave it light other places and then really, really dark in the lines. And you need to all think... one shot. So you're painting like yeah. technical skill does need to be there to get the most out of it. Yeah. Although I think the one real strength of contrast paints, we're not, not thinking about it. Cause I'm thinking, you know, a couple of our friends uh, uh, use them uh, quite extensively uh, is that you don't really have to water them down cause they're more like washes. So you know how a lot of beginner painters don't know how to get the right consistency of paints. Mm -hmm. miniature paints yeah it's one of the beginning and that is like literally the hardest struggle as a beginning painter just to get the consistency of your paint right yeah because there's, um, no, there's no hard fast rule you see people ask online all the time like oh what consistency do i put it to it's like i don't know what paints you're using and i don't know what application you're doing it for it should be like two percent milk right and then and then they're like, well, I only ever get skim milk, so I don't know what you're talking about. Or I only drink Como, so whatever. Uh, or I don't drink milk at all. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I think they do have issues. Whereas contrast paint, because it's basically a wash, you just use it straight out of the bottle. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry as much about having to, to thin your paints. Yeah. So. So... Doing that seems like good, you're saying? It's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I guess for someone who's not quite at the level where they want to use contrast paints, they could just base coat it and then apply like a normal wash, like a dark wash over most of it. Okay. So that's the next that's the second lowest level. Then the middle level, you just start building your figures. <laughs> Is it just because of the quality that you can get when they're they they you don't have to you're not paying someone else to assemble it. Yeah, I'd seen I'd seen a number of complaints about the song of Pace and Fire. No, I think I think it was their original build quality. Okay. But they weren't fitted were... well together, and when they're pre-assembled, you just kind of screwed. <laughs> you have to you have to literally rip them apart yourself and then reposition them so that they're positioned correctly. Yeah, but from what I saw of your guys, like that's not a problem. I didn't have yeah, I've never had a, a problem with that. Okay. Maybe I was just being lucky though. Maybe. Anyhow, that's yeah. been a concern out there. Or it might have been Guild Ball. Uh, some of the lines mm. people have complained about the the quality of the assembly, and you're kind of screwed if they're not assembled well. Okay. All right. And then, so that's like if you're the end consumer, right? How about you mentioned Guild Ball when you're a company, right? So comp as, as a company, uh, Steamforge Games tried to continue, tried to switch over Guild Ball from a uh, super expensive. Uh, miniatures that are not pre-assembled to uh, a line of pre-assembled in a box miniatures and it didn't save the game mm, so the question is yeah. do you think that the miniature packs were the problem or do you think it was the game that was the problem do you think they, it was a mistake for them to switch they claimed it was the game that was the problem so and i don't think the community really disagreed so i would okay. say it was a game thing so you think that their switch was possibly even a good thing because they did save a lot of money, right? Because they're printing out a lot of them. And technically their expertise in learning how to, to print boxes really helped them in, excuse me, in surviving because look at what they're producing now, right? Encounter, yeah. Encounters for D&D uh, &D and, and other game boxes. Yeah, and the metros in those packages looked really impressive. Like when you see assembled metros that are at least of decent quality, 
yeah, and you've got the transparent front on the package. Yeah, the whole the whole product looks really good on the shelf. Yeah, I actually did buy a bunch of steam forged miniatures for my niece nephew because you know I had the pack. It was the uh, Dungeons and Dog doggies. Okay. And I and I, I bought them because I was like, oh, these you know you can tell by looking at them. Oh, this is a pretty decent quality. I also liked. Um, Technically, it's preassembled, right? But it's it's you know preassembled in one piece is basically the same thing, right? So, so I did buy a bunch of miniatures from the Simon uh, or Kamon line uh, for zombie. Is it called Zombie Side? They have a fantasy line for Zombie Side. It's Zombie Side Black Plague, and I really like those miniatures. Like you're talking about, they're they're not realistic, right? But they're cartoony in a, in the right way. Unlike Games Workshop, where it's like it's just weird proportions. There's weird proportions in zombie side, but they're intentional. They're, they're weird in a way that matches a cartoon art, right? Yeah. It's not just a human with a giant head. It's like, you know, it's a cartoon cartoonized. And I really, really uh, enjoy those miniatures. So if you're looking for like miniatures that you don't want to have to assemble, um, that line is pretty good. You still need to clean up a lot of mold lines, though. I find the mold lines are are significant, and yep. they also have a bunch of other command games. So actually, I'd be buying, I guess, a lot of board game miniatures just to play with miniature games. Because like, I wonder if it's just Command or Simon or whatever you're supposed to call that company that that they they're originally a miniatures company, uh, and then they started creating board games. So they just have like a lot of board games with lots of miniatures. So I think I bought, I also bought a whole bunch of miniatures from, I don't know. So, yeah. They organize a lot of those Kickstarters that have like the hundred miniature board game. Yep. Mansions. They, and you uh, would, yeah, you would think. Not designed. Yeah, yeah. You would think that their miniatures were like, I don't know what you call them. The, the quality of the miniatures would be significantly worse. But they're not too bad. They're they are like worse quality, right? They're like a more what do you call it? The more games, not games workshop, the more war machine plastic, like spongy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're good enough, and they're they're decently detailed. Most of their what is it? I got zombie side. I think I would recommend if you go and buy if you want to look for those. Uh, and the other one is shoot, I forget the name. They're generally okay though for for games. Uh, for board game plastics, they're actually on the they're on the higher end, or maybe even the highest end of board game plastics you can get. Yeah. Like right, yeah. If if you're not going for Games Workshop games, then they're, they're quite good in terms of detail and stuff. And they're 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 one piece. So okay, well, I think we've talked a lot about something that we're only sort of partly the audience for. Apparently, now that I think back at it, like I said, I, I, I got a lot. <laughs> if it's not Infinity models uh, or Games Workshop models, a lot of them are just one piece. So, well, as I said, I just bought an entire bag full of them. So, yep. Um, any final thoughts? Do you think that uh, uh, pre-painted, pre-assembled are are going to get more popular in the future? Oh. I don't know. I think the pre-assembled will become more popular because mm-hmm. just the technology to put that together is getting better. Yeah. I think the technology and stuff is much further away. 
just to get it to a good quality. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't require as much human effort. Yeah, I really think if they if if you had a I think they could do a second step. You know, they're doing pre-primed right now, right? Uh, if they did pre-base colored. But that may be like machines can easily pre-prime, but having a machine pre-paint is a totally different yeah. function. But like but, if you do base colors, you're cutting down on a lot of the costs and a lot of people will just be fine with it. And then you just say, just add a brown wash and it looks fine. Like if all of the colors you choose look good, if you just wash it with a brown wash, you can generally use stencils or things like that to just use sprays to get it roughly looking. And like I said, this is this is the thing that I'm saying is like back like 20, over 20 years ago, probably over 25 years ago, I was getting little miniatures like that from Japanese, uh, you know, Pokeballs, like I said, that were decently painted in the lines. So it can't be that hard. Yeah, now that we have like more 3D technology, it's easier to make the stencils because once you've got the 3D design, they can make it use the original design to make stencils. So, oh, like 3D stencils. We just like literally put it on, spray it, and then put it on. Yeah, it just becomes easier to design a stencil once you once you're sculpting in 3D. That's true. All right. Anything else? No, I think we'll probably come back to this topic later as we probably buy more miniatures that are pre-assembled. <laughs> They're getting more popular, so. Yeah, yeah. And um, maybe I'll, I'll show off some of my, I don't know, some ways to deal with, uh, you know, cutting corners to get things on the table as fast as possible. I think we should we should do another one about that, about, and, and include the pre-assembled miniatures, exactly what line you'd want to do to create an army as fast as possible. Yeah. That'd be a good idea. It would probably be the Pathfinder. But. Uh, yeah, and then we should try out like all the different ways. And this is the way we did it with uh, contrast paints. How much skill level? There's the two things, speed and skill level that you have to look at. So we'll talk about it. Yep, Maybe not, in a future not podcast. Yeah. Not, not today. Yeah, definitely. Nope. All right. All right. Uh, if you have any thoughts on uh, pre-painted miniatures pre-assembled miniatures uh any lines that you think are really really good uh any uh, whether you think it's worth it to uh assemble your miniatures considering the price differential uh yeah give us a shout tell us what you think tell us that we're wrong that we're stupid that we didn't we we missed the obvious uh things we should have been talking about with this stuff yeah tell us and we'll tell you why you are in fact the one that's wrong uh all right this has been alan it's been brandon okay done we're at the end if you want to uh reach out to us you can find us on facebook at dice over everything uh join our group at dice over everything group or you can email us at contact at diceovereverything.com yeah and if you want to see what we're working on you can go to diceovereverything.com uh so yeah that's it Thanks for listening. Bye.